Hello to everyone. Welcome to Sea Grapes Podcasts, a series of conversations dedicated to the Caribbean. We are your hosts, Carla and Lionel. Today, we have a very special friend and co-host joining us from one of only two sovereign states in the world named after a woman. Any guesses? We are pleased to welcome Vernita to Sea Grapes. Born in St. Lucia, Vernita moved to Barbados for work before returning home. Today, we'll be chatting with her about her experience relocating from one Caribbean island to another, some of the differences between St. Lucia and Barbados, and some of her favorite things about each island. Globally, the Caribbean can sometimes be seen as a collection of small islands located very close to each other with many similarities. While that is true, there's some fascinating differences amongst the islands. And today, Sea Grapes is happy to bring you a discussion about sauce, spooge, and sack of fed. Have a listen and let us know what you think by email at seagrapespodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Sacrifet, Vernita. Ah, moi bien, bien merci, Carla. Et puis où? And you? Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm well. Welcome okay. to Sea Grapes. And for the sake of our, our listeners, can you tell them what Sacrifet means? Well, Sacrifet is really a common greeting, meaning how are you? How are you doing? I'm just checking on you. Like you say, hello, como esta in Spanish? And then you say in French, como ça va? It is it's just a, the, the common greeting. I like that. I know the como esta because I did Spanish, but now I know right. Saint Lucian, Sacrafet. Exactly. And is that part yes, of Saint Lucian Creole? Yes, that's part of Saint Lucian Creole. Um, Creole, Creole, whichever. Um, in English, they say Creole, but the patois for Creole is Creole. And it's spelled K-W-E-Y-O-L. I think it's something to that effect. We all. Okay. And that's a mix I of French and African, is it? I think so. French and African. And probably I think there's a bit of Dutch influence in there as well. Mm, okay. All right. Well, as I said, thanks again and welcome to Sea Grapes. For those of you listening, Vernita's our first co-host and she is from St. Lucia. So before we kick off, Vernita, I guess we just, I mean, it'd be interesting to kind of talk a little bit about St. Lucia. I recently found out that St. Lucia is one of only two sovereign states in the world named after a woman. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, um, for me, it's interesting for me too, because I'm really hearing it for the first time. For the first time. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hearing it for the first time, but I'm probably paying attention to it for the first time. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we're, we're both learning something today, or all yes, three of exactly. us. Because Lionel is yes, here with yes. us. Yep. I'm right here, right. Bernita. It's good to hear your voice. Same, same here, Lionel. Sacrifice to you too. Bien, bien, bien. I'm good, thank you. And you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> They're pulling in some French here. So yes, one yes. of one of the other interesting things about St. Lucia was the fact that for us in Barbados, we have such a strong British influence. St. Lucia changed hands 14 times between the British and the French over a period of 150 years. So seven times British, seven times French. 
Yes, and you can see actually see the French influence in St. Lucia. And for instance, in our names, my name is Mariat. Some people, uh, it's really Mariat, as in a, a part of French name Mariat. But being English, they say Mariat. I believe I'm of the view that I got, we got this Mariat from my great-grandfather. And while I worked in the registry, I observed that people used to carry their father's first name as their surname, as their last name. And so my great-great-great-grandfather used to be Mariat George. And in, um, that's where my grandmother inherited her last name as Melina Marriott, whatever Marriott. And so we all are now, now carry the Marriott name. So I believe, because I worked in the registry for a little bit, and I observed that. So I believe during the French, during the French period, during the French era, maybe that's how we probably adopted these first names for our last names. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty interesting. I've, I mean, you talk about names being passed down and everything, but your yeah. first name becoming your surname or the first name mm -hmm. of your great-grandfather becoming your surname. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, so we're, we're picking up on some interesting bits about St. Lucia, um, but really our conversation today is you being St. Lucian and coming over to Barbados. And I think when we approached you about joining us on Sea Grapes, one of the first things you said about moving to Barbados was visit me and living with me are two different things. So we said, okay, sure <laughs> we thought that would be a great way to kick things off. I know before coming here to live for a period of time, you previously studied in Barbados and then right. you mm -hmm. came back for work and you were here for 10 to 11 years, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so I guess just yeah. kind of tell us a little bit about what that experience was like when you came back for work, when you relocated to Barbados. Yes, it's just like being in a relationship. If you are caught in your own relationship, there are certain things you take for granted. But when you now get into a committed relationship or you get married or you get to live together, there are certain expectations because now it's going to be permanent and long term. And so your expectations are different. So you now begin to look at things differently. So when I moved to Barbados, there were a few little things. Cultural shock is a little strong, but there are a couple of things that were different to to St. Lucia. We are of the view, a lot of people are of the view that because we are Caribbean island, we are similar culture. But the truth is, even if we are similar, we do have a couple of differences, some nuances that are unique to each island. Each island. For instance, mm. St. Lucia, St. Lucians are very hospitable people. When I moved to Barbados, that was a little bit of um, a little unsettling to me because you moved to Barbados, you don't know anybody, you, you made a few friends and you expected, maybe you would assimilate into the society or the community a little easier by meeting people to help you assimilate. But that was not necessarily so. Well, maybe I'm, I, I'm also a, a bit of an antisocial person, so that could have been, that could have accounted for it too. Yes. And so I, I observed that well, it didn't bother me, but I observed it. it it's something I observed as a different. I think as some people different. describe Bajans as being a little more cautious. So it takes a little time, yeah. you know, you have to get to know somebody. So, but give us time. We warm up and everything's good. How was it in yes. terms of the, in terms of the food? Was the that food, a big difference um, for you? The food was interesting because there are, 
there are staples on the Barbados menu. Yes, I would have eaten them before, but there were far and few, few moments where you would eat these things. Um, for instance, I remembered shepherd's pie. When I went to Barbados, you go to this um, restaurants. You always find shepherd's pie on the menu as a staple on the menu. And for me back home, shepherd's pie, I learned to do shepherd's pie in my homemade classes. And um, shepherd's pie was not something you did at all unless you were doing something special or somebody specially requested shepherd's pie. But Barbados, it was the normal thing on, 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 your, on your menu. And um, I always laugh and I always say, I believe this is as a result of the British influence in Barbados. That's why Barbados always, they introduced shepherd's pie. <laughs> I think I can agree with that. I have lots of friends in the UK and, and they enjoy a good shepherd's pie. So perhaps that's that's how it came to be so loved in Barbados. What would you say to that, Lionel? I agree with that sentiment. Remember back in the day, a lot of Barbadian women were either cooks or domestics. And in order to survive, you had to learn what was the diet of the house. So most Barbadian women learned how to make this thing called shepherd's pie. So turns out it, 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 you're, you're right, Vernita, it probably is the British influence. Probably is because yeah. I go to other Caribbean islands and um, you go to Jamaica, you'll find the ground foods like the dahin, the plantain, but you don't find all this. Jamaica has a unique um, what do you call it? Clean jerk, jerk chicken and jerk, whatever the case may be. Yes. But um, you don't get the shepherd's pie very prominent <laughs> on, on the menu. Well, we do enjoy some ground provisions as well. Um, I think our our national dish is cuckoo and flying fish. Did you try cuckoo and flying fish when you were here? Well, no. Unfortunately, I never tried cuckoo and flying fish because I never I, I never could understand the what cornmeal or crow. And flying fish, to me, that was really not a very good combination in, in my books. Cornmeal, we we, cornmeal for us is a cereal, so we ate sugar, milk, and all of that. So I couldn't put the, put, put the two together and say, okay, cornmeal, flying fish, okra. And that was a no-no. That was a no-no. Another thing in Barbados, I found in Barbados where food was concerned, you, um, you had this pudding and sauce. Yes. Yeah. So you know on a Saturday... You will get pudding and sauce, no matter where you go. That you will is get true. Pudding and sauce, definitely. Yeah. And pudding and sauce. I mean, we eat sauce in Saint Lucia. We do sauce in Saint Lucia, but it's nothing like what you all have. Pudding and sauce. You have sauce. Pig, the pig trotters, the trotters, the trotters from the pig, mm-hmm. and you have that by itself, or you have a little cucumber salad with it. But yours, yours was kind of a little different. And I even think your meat was more pickled, pickled meat. Yes. Right, exactly, right. So that was unique. That was different. That was different. The pudding and sauce was different. And you're right. That is very popular on a, on a Saturday, for sure. Um, it's interesting what you say about the com- the combination of the cornmeal and flying fish. I know Jamaicans also have cornmeal porridge. So that's yes, probably, more, corn- yeah, probably more seen as a breakfast item. Um, but right. I, personally, I can recommend breadfruit cuckoo. I enjoy that very much. Breadfruit. Oh, breadfruit and cuckoo? Well, breadfruit cuckoo using breadfruit instead of the cornmeal oh, okay. as a base. Okay. So instead you can, yes, mm-hmm. so on some menus you see breadfruit cuckoo and flying oh, fish instead a, of cornmeal cuckoo. Yep. 
So the next okay. time, next okay. time you're in Barbados, you can try that variation. Next time, uh, I'll probably try the cornmeal because the cornmeal is the popular popular one. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna you try try the authentic, the, the real real yes. dish. Real real thing, yes. I have. I'll and, probably try the next time because I've been living there for all these years. I never got, I never cared to try it. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, we'll put that on the books and I'll come uh, to St. Lucia and try your national dish, which is green fig and salt fish. Yes, that's another one again that's a, that um, I'm a little not sure about. Um, it is being said that salt fish and green figs are our national dish. But I always, I have a difficulty in really embracing that because I know in days gone by, in the earlier days, salt fish and green figs were eaten by the poor. Um, they, those who couldn't afford to buy bread, couldn't afford to buy chicken, couldn't afford to buy this sort of thing. You would have salt figs, green figs, was it was free, readily available, and salt fish used to be really cheap. So you you use, use eat salt fish and green figs. Some people had it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It just it goes to show how poor they were. So they were able to, they ate their, their green figs and salt fish breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so, but now, saltfish has taken such, you know, has gained such prominence in that it's the reverse now. Ordinary people don't buy saltfish because saltfish has become too expensive. Mm. And so people tend to buy chicken bats and chicken and that sort of thing instead of buying saltfish. So I, that's, um, that's my reason for thinking, mm, this doesn't really, really gel very well with me with being, being a national dish. I understand. Yeah, because of the, the historic meaning, what what it was like yes. before. Mm-hmm. Well, before, the, yes, the, before. What do you have to say to and that, Lionel? Go- no, I, I I am in agreement with, with Vernita. Uh, it's really amazing how the price of salted fish, as opposed, I'm not saying salt fish, but salted fish, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. increased and in most cases, they're using freshwater fish and salting it. So salted, mm-hmm. I, I question the justification for the rapid increase in prices. Mm-hmm. 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 Could it be that as, I mean, I know there's been a big push across the region, obviously with tourism being so important for all of the islands, um, to embrace local and promote local. And perhaps that has led to an increase in prices for local um, I wouldn't say so because if you want um, locals to eat local, salt fish is not something to pay premium price for. Mm-hmm. You understand? And so, it if anything, it discourages people from the ordinary person from eating salt fish. I'm wondering if it if it has to do with it's being it's um, extinction as a whatever fish that is being used, whether uh, it's being overfished and there's not a lot of it available. So. Um, the, um, there's not, there is not the supply, right? The supply is limited, and so it brings up, they drive the cost of the saltfish. Well, there's a possibility that that may be occurring because we used to import this salted fish. However, within the Caribbean, yeah, yeah. we have more than ample supply of freshwater fish. Really? Yes, we do. Guyana in particular, and anything south of Guyana, even in Trinidad, you can get freshwater fish, mm-hmm. like okay. Bangamary, etc. Um, mm-hmm. What 
was probably lacking was sufficient supply or manufacturers who knew how to salt the fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we are accustomed to bringing in these barrels or buckets of salt fish. Okay, yes. Like and, a mackerel. But also just fish, and it comes uh, in a bucket, and the supermarkets then package it out according to weight, and it's salted fish, mm-hmm. but it's imported as opposed mm-hmm, to producing mm-hmm. our own salted fish. Yeah, yes, we never produce. We, we, we always, as you rightly said, we always produce, we always import salted fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought salt, salted fish too was a sp- special cod. Called something called cod fish. Well, I think at one time it was cod fish, uh, freshwater cod. That was salted and and exported to Barbados from other countries. Mm-hmm. However, the salt fish that we're getting today and we've been getting for many years, it's not necessarily cod fish that has been salted, but rather just freshwater fish that has been salted. But a salt fish, the texture is different to a lot of the freshwater fish. I um, I find it's a little firmer. Yes, but that's the salt. That's the salt that does it. And then, of course, some fish have more are meatier than others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so yes. the fish with more meat would tend to appear to be a little tougher than the one with mm-hmm, less yeah, meat. Yeah, you're right. Mm, the, the, the flatter and, ones. Mm-hmm. And, and in addition to that, then you have the young fish and the older fish. Uh, it just depends on all of those factors, how it comes out. But at the end of the day... <laughs> It's fish that has been salted. Well, whatever it is, it is costing an arm and a leg to, <laughs> to get it. I think, I think that's, it's safe to say we can talk about the fact that food prices have just definitely gone up. So I think we'll, yes. uh-huh. we'll, we'll bring that into our discussion when it means we should have a discussion around local foods, the evolution of local foods, you know, the mm-hmm. ones that have historic meaning and are we having it as much now and is it due to the cost? So we'll definitely right. bring you back, Vernita, and, and, and delve into that. And perhaps by then okay. you would have tried the cuckoo and flying fish and I would have had the green yeah. fig and salt fish and we can do a oh, comparison. You've never had green figs and salt fish? I've had, well, I guess that would be the same as green banana, right? Green banana is correct. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, then, yes, in Jamaica, because they eat a lot of green banana in Jamaica. So I've had that in Jamaica, green banana and saltfish. Saltfish, yes. Um, well, the preparation might be slightly different, but Mm-hmm. And Kalaloo. Kalaloo. Kalaloo is done with these green green leaves and um, what you had, it dumplings or, or whatever. Yes. Yeah, we do Kalaloo as well. We use all these green... Um, you have some green leaves um, that are grown specifically for callaloo. You chop and almost like they're not spinach, but they're firmer than spinach. So you have to cook them. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And do uh, do they do dumplings as well in St. Lucia? Yes, they do dumplings, but we do ground food as well in it, like your dasheen and your green figs, your yams. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I'm, I've had this debate rise with amongst friends before St. Lucian okay, dumplings okay. are they sweet or are they not sweet 
No, St. Lucian dumplings are usually small dumplings, um, water, flour, and water. They're not sweet. They okay. are small, they are, and you just put them, you either cook them in peas or whatever you have, you cook them in. Unlike dumplings I've seen in Barbados and um, Jamaica to an extent, you have they prepared like ground provisions. You have these big dumplings that you can cut into slices and put on your plate. Uh, what we do, they're very small dumplings, and um, you put them to boil together with other, other foods or with your meat or your peas and what, yeah. It's okay. almost like a callaloo. Okay. Okay. Because I have Jamaican friends who, who say that Bajan dumplings are sweet. Um, uh, yes. Especially in soup. Uh, I know Jamaicans also like dumplings that are, as you said, they're very large and they're not sweet at all. Right. But yeah, oh, the texture of Bajan dumplings is different as well. They're a little fluffy. You, um, they're a little fluffy. If you, if you feel them, you feel they're a little light. Unlike the dumplings we do and possibly that those done in Jamaica, they're very heavy. Yes. If you, yeah. when you cut them, they, they thick and hard. Yep. But the yep. dumplings you do, it's a little fluffy. That is true. That is true. I love a good Bajan dumpling, I, I will confess. And Jamaican dumplings took me a little while to get used to. But you're right. Oh, really? They are more, yes, yes, they're a lot more dense. Um, you have one of those yes. and you're down for the count. Exactly, exactly. So, but I don't know if it's because you'll probably put baking powder in your dumplings because I'm, I'm not, I don't know for sure. I don't know how the dumplings are made, but it feels like something with baking powder. So it gets it a little lighter. Well, in defense of the Bajan dumpling. <laughs> As we delve into an argument about dumplings. Yeah, no, no argument. <laughs> I, I just want to say that we have both kinds. The fluffy oh, okay. dumpling, um, the... Harder dumpling. We're not we're not okay. big on the what I call the marble dumpling, like little marbles to pitch with, which is what you get in Saint Lucia. Yeah, uh, and you, one. you particularly put them in um in cocoa tea. In cocoa tea. In the morning mm. you get cocoa tea with dumplings in it. Dumplings. Very yeah, nice, right. very delicious. But those mm. dumplings are very unique. And we don't really know. We don't really make it that way too often. Okay. So we get the mm-hmm. fluffy ones, we get the firm ones, and we also get a dumpling that has cornmeal in it. Cornmeal, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. cornmeal dumpling, which sometimes you will find in a soup. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the generation of the person who is making the dumpling. That determines the okay. outcome. Okay. The younger the well, person, the more regional the dumpling. The older the okay. person, the more traditional Bajan it is. But we are not, not, however, accustomed to the marble dumpling, the small ones. That's the dominant one in St. Lucia. That's the one we use most of the time. On the rare occasions, we use the hard ones like the Jamaica, the big hard ones. I know one particular time we use this big, big hard ones. You know, during the La Rose Festival, uh, you have to feed a whole lot of people, and that seemed to have been the food of choice. So you have these big, large dumplings. Somebody can have one dumpling for a meal, or you cut the dumpling in half. Somebody has gets half a dumpling for a meal. So in these rare occasions, mm-hmm. you would have these large dumplings. Tell us about the La Rose Festival. The La Rose Festival. La, the La Rose Festival is a traditional. There's a history behind it that I 
I don't ever remember the history. Every time I check the history, I keep forgetting it. But it's a history of two flowers. One, uh, um, the La Rose, the Red Rose, and there is the white, white, which is called the, the Marguerite. But I can't remember what the Marguerite, what the, what the English, the really scientific name for the Marguerite is. But it's a Marguerite flower and the rose flower. The Marguerite is white. The rose is pink. And uh, they carry the colors. Rose get, carries red and pink. And um, the Marguerite, white, blue. And they like rival flowers. And uh, they are celebrated on different days in the year. La Rose is in August. La, Mag Mag La Magritte is in October. And you have all this festivity um, where the La Rose is almost like a kingdom. The Magritte is also like a kingdom as well. You have the king, you have the queen, you have the princess, you have the princes, you have doctors, nurses, uh, police, corporals, you name it, the whole thing. So both parties operate the same way. And you find that um, they pick on one another, they banter there's a lot of friendly banter going on between the laros and the margaret in their songs in their performances uh you know and all of that so it's it's really they say it's a st lucian tradition but i i don't have the real understanding or the real knowledge of the tradition myself i know the tradition because i raised in it but in terms of the research behind it the information um how, how it originated i'm not I've never really paid much attention to that. Mm. And is each is each one one day? The celebration is one day, but you have a um, seas that you may have like about three weeks or so before the the day in question. The date is observed, so you have the seas for three weeks where you meet at different um, meeting places. You try to raise money. You try to you you sing songs. You dance. You you um the the actual skits and all of that. So it's almost like a a rehearsal. Oh wow! Like about three weeks before the the, the day in question. And are those the biggest? Is is that the biggest festival in Saint Lucia? It used to be, but now we have Creole Festival, which has taken a life of its own, which is really big. Um, but La Rose and La Marguerite used to be really big festivals. But these things too are also dying out because the younger generation are not too interested in keeping these things alive. And the older people who were really at the forefront of La Rose and La Marguerite, a lot of them are passing. They are immobile now. And so very rarely, very few places, because La Rose, like almost every community had the community La Rose. Now, maybe one community will probably have La Rose, and um, the focus center was trying to revive it. They would have one community um, do a national and present a national parade. But um, it's slowly dying, in my opinion. I find it's not as vibrant as it used to be before. Okay. Were you able to experience, just comparatively, were you able to experience the Cropover Festival here in Barbados? Yes. As an observer on the sidelines, I, I, w I probably went down once or twice to look at it, but never really involve as such but just as a spectator and just from being a spectator did you notice any similarities no um cropover was more like carnival mm -hmm. more like carnival to me um with all the different costumes and um you know the re re revelry and all of that the music the dancing it was more like carnival to me okay does saint lucia have a carnival Yes, we do have a carnival. It ah. used to be in February traditionally, the traditional time. Carnival usually used to be in February. But um, for marketing, 
purposes, I think, the date has been moved to July because they figured out there was too much competition with Trinidad Carnival in February. So <laughs> yes. different member states, yeah, different different member states took the decision that they, they were going to have it at different times. And St. Lucia opted to have this, to move this to July. Because, I mean, you can't ask Trinidad to move this. Trinidad Carnival is the thing. Yeah, and that's so everybody, true. Yeah. So every, people thought there was too much competition. So people who wanted to enjoy, foreigners who wanted to enjoy, and even locals wanted to go to Trinidad and, and jump up in Carnival. They were torn between leaving their own bands, their Carnival, and go to Trinidad. So they, the decision was taken that they moved the St. Lucia Carnival to July. So that people can participate in. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think there Canada. may there may have been a fight between the Trinis and the Lucians if 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 you tried to keep it in February. There wasn't a fight because you couldn't fight it. Everybody, know, everyone knows that you couldn't fight if Trinidad because <laughs> Trinidad Carnival is the carnival. Yes, the yes. carnival. Yes, and nobody else rivals Trinidad. People come from United, um, the United States. They come from the UK, all over the place to come and jump up carnival in in Trinidad. And so we know that every we know that was not a fight. We just had to bow out gracefully and say, okay, you're the king. Let us back up and look for another date suitable to us. Well, I can speak for all the Bajans and say that Cropover is maybe the queen. Is the queen? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Kadumant well? has become quite popular worldwide. So maybe we can okay. rival Trinidad at this point. Oh, really? I, oh, I, I, will, I will make that argument. Oh, very interesting. We may very have to. Uh, we may have a couple of trainees listening in who will strongly disagree, but that disagree. is okay. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. I remembered while I was in Barbados. I know your artists, like your Calypso artists, they used to feature on the tra- on Trinidad platforms, and Trinidadian artists used to also feature in crop over um, on the crop, crop over stage as well. Yes, yeah, that like that happens now yeah. quite a bit. So it's wonderful to see. I think the region is definitely getting more exposure for the different festivals and carnivals happening. Mm -hmm. So I think that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. Rather than competing, I mean, people have to observe each other's strengths and uh, support it. Yes, for sure. Love that message. So, Renita, that's been food festivals. We were were talking, comparing a a little bit. Looking now at after your experience in Barbados, what would you say is your favorite thing about Barbados? There are a couple of things I found I found interesting about Barbados. One of the things, one of the key things, and I think everything else um, ties into that, the level of national pride that exists in Barbados. It's a blessing and a curse. It is really a blessing because some, I always tell our people we can take a page from Barbados' book because of the level of national pride that exists in that country. But sometimes it can be a little much. It can be a little much. That's when it becomes a curse. Because um, what I find in Bar- Barbadians believe that they can do everything just as good as everybody, um, like the international countries. Like they can be as good as, if they're hosting an event, they can do it just as good. You know, so there is no, they don't see themselves as second, second best. They try to be as good as, anybody else internationally. And that's a good thing. They also support local, support Barbadian in all aspects, in all respects, in everything. And there is a level of awareness about things Barbados in, in, in Barbados. Um, it's almost like a silent code. 
I remember I always, I always joke with my friends and say, look at Barbados. When there is a crime in Barbados, there is a homicide. You will never hear it reported in the media as a homicide. You will hear there was an unnatural death. And I always said, this is something else. Other places, St. Lucia included, all the media houses, there was a murder last night, there was a this, you know, everybody will know it's a murder. But in Barbados, it will more than likely be reported as an unnatural death. It, it is, it, it, to me, it's, it, it, um, it seemed like there was there's such that level of awareness um, because you are a tourist destination and um, you all, the country depends a lot on tourists and therefore the image of the country needs to be protected and it is done by everybody in Barbados. It is protected from the media, um, the ordinary man on the street. Everybody um, tries to behave in a manner to protect the image of Barbados. That I, I found that was, I found that was fascinating. Mm, that is interesting. I mean, I, I, I recall. I mean, I don't know if Lionel remembers this. These the ad, tourism advertisements from many years ago, and they one of the taglines was that tourism is our business, and they did make mm-hmm. a big push to kind of you know, inform, educate everyone that we all play our part. So it's interesting to hear someone from another island say then that they've found that that's, that's how it is in Barbados. Because I guess sometimes being Bajan and being here, you don't realize that. I think the national pride to me was very prevalent during the 50th independent celebrations when there were blue and yellow flags everywhere. But on a day-to-day basis, it's interesting hearing someone else's perception of it coming from another island. That's correct. It was a very successful program, and it's nice to know that it there's the paid dividends. Yes, um, it um, if that so, if that was so, it did, it did. Um, that's, I was about to make another point. Oh, and, and um, yes, it, it now it shows in every facet. For instance, when there is elections around, when you have general elections. There is this thing associated with elections where you have graffiti, you have symbols written on the street, on buildings, all over the place. I've been, I was in Barbados for two different elections, and you would know it was election time if you had to look at the, the environment, the physical environment. Nowhere was being defaced, no stars, no flag, no painting, none of this graffiti all over the place. Unlike other countries, including St. Lucia, when elections, you, you will know when election is around the corner because you will see stars and banners and all, on buildings, on street corners, the road, everywhere. And I, and I, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> I, because I'm a really political junkie, a lot of these things, I get clued in, in into a lot of these things. And maybe other people will not observe that, but I did observe that. I thought that was very interesting. Well, I think, Vernita, any local politicians listening to us, today are going to be saying, boy, we're not doing enough. So now we might see even more posters out for the next election. <laughs> but I don't know if, because they need to do what the people want. I don't know if that's where you all are. Mm-hmm. I think you all are all right with not having these visible vis- um, these visible symbols defacing your public places. I think maybe there's a, uh, and maybe that ties into your first observation in that, Tourism is a very big part of everything in Barbados. We're very dependent on tourism, as you said earlier, the whole region. But in Barbados, that's definitely something that we're all aware of. So perhaps it is that 
those things locals know they know where those things are happening and so we feel like it's out there but maybe there's a separation mm-hmm. then for everyone else you know maintaining that like keeping the image for tourism purposes but it's an interesting observation mm-hmm. was there anything else what that you th- that, what was one of your favorite things about barbados but i say on that i say your public public education seems to have been very good because um it's really working out very well no. everybody seems to be in sync <laughs> very good oh and i talked about spooge music oh i loved i always we grew up in st lucia listening to radio barbados because we didn't have the plethora of music music places that we have now in st lucia not even we used to watch Barbados TV before we had our local television local televisions in St. Lucia. Really? Television station. Yeah, before we had local television stations in St. Lucia. We used to watch Barbados TV. We used to listen to radio Barbados radio. And so a lot of our music, growing up as a girl, young girl, a lot of my music I heard from Barbados. And so a lot of these Wendy Allens, the Carolyn Lee Cox, the um Mike's Grovener, the um a lot of this music, I grew up listening to them. And when I, there's this other one, it comes at Drayton's 2. Drayton's 2, of course. Is it Drayton's 2? They have an, I bought an album, uh, the album. You have, you come here to drink milk. Oh, you come in to come down. How do you call them again? I'm going to let Lionel jump in and answer that no, one. No, she, you're doing well, Bernita. I am sitting here and I'm very pleased. Mm. Very, very pleased. How you call a team? I keep forgetting. I have his album and I the album and I keep forgetting it. They had a lot of there are Genesis, Alexis, Leviticus. Who um what's the group singing that song? I'm trying to get the name. I think you have stumped the Beijing. The Beijing over there. No, that's the Dreadens too. Oh. Dreadens too, okay, very well. The too. I bought a CD while I was up there. Yeah, mm. so we, I grew up listening to all these people. And when I went to Barbados, and um, I said, I'm in the land of spooge. How can I not try to get some spooge? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yes, um, it's something I always liked. Always liked um, spooge. Yes, yes, that's, what, that's another thing. I love your spooge. love spooge. Well, you're inspiring me as a Bajan. Um, to go and investigate Spooge. I know that obviously Spooge is from Barbados, but I must confess that it's not something that I know too much about. So it's interesting having a solution come and tell me that mm-hmm. Spooge is one of their favorite things. But it's good music. You um, are <laughs> from the old school. It's real good music. Well, I'm, I, so I, I looking it up, I see that they define Spooge as a, a mix of ska from Jamaica, Calypso from Trinidad, and an influence mm-hmm. of a wide selection of music from the UK and the US. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's what they call a callaloo, a mix or a mix up. A mix up, yes. And it was given birth by Barbados's very own Jackie Opal in the sixties. Jackie Opal, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does that compare to, to well like man, I I find it truly fascinating that you grew up listening to Beijing radio and watching Beijing TV. But how does Spooge yes, then can. compare to St. Lucian music, whatever St. Lucian music is? What we have that's really indigenous, because Calypso is not indigenous, just everybody else, everybody, they do Calypso. Um, it's more like, um, what you call this kind of music? Like they, they, I don't know if you have a 
all right, you, um, you remember the last time you mentioned Jouy, and um, I told you that was the first time I heard Jouy being referred to in, 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 in that in in that context, in that context, Jouy in terms of music. Jouy, um, the word Jouy in Creole is play. Mm-hmm. Play. So I'm not sure if it's a play on the word meaning entertainment. Okay. Based on the definition of Jouy, the, 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 the music in St. Lucia, I know that fit, the music that fits into the Jouy is things like court, um, court is being sung at, like, usually sung at funerals. And um, you have the La Rose and the La Magritte Festival, where you have, it's almost like extempo, extempo music. You make the, you make the music as you go along on the spot. You, uh, it's a lot of bantering. And oh. there's something we call Siwenal, um, serenades at Christmas time where you, at Christmas time, maybe a couple of weeks into Christmas and even on Christmas Day, you have a band of people going from house to house with the music, with the music, the musical um, instruments, the banjo, the quattro, and they go to the various homes and um, they serenade you. Um, they, they, they make the song on the spot. You, they will come and ask you, you put out the drink, you put out the food. Um, uh, I'll give a little example where they'll come and they knock on your door and say, la nuka la la nuka And they say, That means open the door, we are coming in, put out the drinks, put out the food and all of that, you know? And so you'll oblige them by getting up and come and open, whether it's two o'clock in the morning, whatever time in the morning, you oblige them, you get up, you go and open up, you put out the drinks, you put out the food, they spend a little time with you and they leave, go to the next place. Um, so that is what we call in the Creole Sirenal, but it is really um, Serenade. And you said it's Sirenal? Sirenal? Sirenal. Uh, I don't know how that Sirenal is spelled in Creole because Creole, Creole spelling is another thing by itself. It's really the English word, I think, for the English word for it's probably Serenade. Okay. I love that. And they make mm-hmm. it up as they go. They make it up as they go, yes. They make it up as they go. Um, similarly, La Rose. La Rose too, they, um, they, they make it up and they also have the banter, uh, where is it? If there's this La Rose says being sung, they, uh, somebody would go in and go after maybe the king of, the, the La Rose king would go after the Margaret king and then they would call him my name. I, like, I'll give you an example, like, Rufa, Use Major, 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 Rufa, Use So what that means is Rufa, Rufa is his name, the king's name, the um La Magritte's king's name. So the king of La Rose would say, Yes, you think you're bad and big and bold. Uh-uh. Even if you claim that, but you're not stronger and bigger and bad than I am. You understand? So he's like he's almost challenging him. <laughs> Oh, Bernita, you're giving us a treat today, boy. I I love it. I love it. I love the idea of the, the serenades as well. I don't know about making yes. it up. I mean, I guess you have to be fairly creative making it up as you go. Yes. Yeah. So it is. It, um, so they, you don't see a lot of that happening anymore because that used to be the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, young people don't uphold the tradition 
they don't hold a, uphold the tradition. So a lot of it is dying out. Mm. But that used to be really a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will say that I don't know if anybody coming to my house at 2 a.m. telling me to put out the food and the drinks. I'm not sure I'm mm. opening the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. Oh, wow. Because people are known for being up late at Christmas Eve where you're slaughtering your animals and people don't sleep in Christmas Eve night. So people would just bump, um, walk in and come in and come and bump, knock at your door, playing their, their banjo, playing their drums. And they have a following you with them, you know. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to try and convince Lionel to pull out a banjo this Christmas and see if we can get a following around the neighborhood. <laughs> Ronita, I, I think that cultural experience will used to be alive and well in every Caribbean island. Okay. Because there was a time when in Barbados you go to church either at 10 or 11 and church would finish just after midnight. And then you would leave there and you go to your first house, which was normally oh, okay. to have a drink or something and a piece mm-hmm. of cake. Mm-hmm. And then you went to the next house, which is where the bread was, bread was being baked. So you had fresh okay. bread and hopefully... A piece of ham. If not, you took the bread and you went to the next house, which would have ham. <laughs> you go to find the ham. You go to find the ham, but you're dealing. But you had in your in your possession, freshly baked, what we call salt bread. Salt bread, yeah. It's a, well, it's a similar experience because at Christmas time, you always bake your bread. You do. You have your ham. You have your pork. Um, your pork. But during those days. Ham is a recent thing. Ham was reserved for the well-to-dos. And so in those days, ham was not a thing. You could Our ham was pork. So people know at Christmas time, you can you'll come and you get a pot of pork. You'll get the bread baked, freshly baked. So you'll get your pork and bread. Pork and bread, and okay. And your cocoa tea. And, and your cocoa, cocoa tea. tea. Okay, I love yes. it. Mm-hmm. But I guess the interesting thing, Lionel, did they sing for it? In Barbados. There was yeah. some singing. Okay. Yeah, there was some carol singing. Wherever you went, you you left church and you, you would go and you would sing some carols. Tradition, um, traditional carols as opposed to making carols, it up. Traditional carols. Okay. But we, we were introduced to this thing called salt ham. The ham, it mm-hmm. wasn't, there was no refrigerator. The ham used to hang from the rafters in the shop right so when you bought that ham you took it home you had to boil it to get some of the salt out just to get rid of some of that salt Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you had ham i i think we we got into that habit because a pork cutter was a normal thing for us on a friday night or a saturday night and you went to a fet or you went you just went out you would go down to a shop and buy two pork cutters so at Christmas time, the treat was really ham. Okay, so that was, that was because you're always in the bourgeoisie class. Ham no, was no, for the no, no, class. no. Because you're thinking of ham as it is today. The ham I'm referring to used to smell. I re, I can okay. smell it now. You knew when somebody got in a ham. And people would get together and put money together to buy this ham, Christmas ham. Okay. It was a special treat, and people shared. 
in those mm-hmm. days people shared so it was okay. you know there was always possible to get a piece of ham for christmas morning you go buy so, a ham um, we... and you cut it up and it's probably three or four houses that get in that ham because you know what was a ham a ham was salted pork Right. We were talking about salted, salted fish before. Uh, mm. But the, the ham was just salted pork in whatever the additives are to convert it into this thing called ham. Yeah. Salted it, pork leg. Yes. Salted pork leg. So I was hanging in the shop sometimes for weeks. In a, in a bag, a cloth bag. And the ham will right, be there hanging. And you have to take it home, clean it off, clean off the salt, and put it in a saucepan and boil it to get rid of the salt. Yeah, but that, even in recent times, we, um, because my, our first introduction into ham was this salted ham you had to boil on a cold pot. You couldn't even boil it because you had to boil it for soup. So long. Correct. Um, boil and boil and boil, right. Even our first introduction introduction into ham, we started that way. But now you have all these frozen hams, you can just go and buy in the refrigerator and push in the oven. And boom, you have ham to eat within um, a couple of hours. Yeah, but it's, before, it's different. So I, I we think... Don't see that. We don't see the salted ham too much now. I think the important takeaway is that we need to get some ham, salt bread, and do some conduct some serenades this Christmas. So we'll combine the best of St. Lucia and the best of Barbados and throw in some spooge for Vernita. I would love that. I would love that. Oh, gosh. We used to to have vibrant Christmas. Our Christmas used to be very vibrant. But um, again, people don't hold tradition anymore because... And in those days, you were growing up, um, you saved your money. At Christmas time, you you only had ham at Christmas time. There are certain things you're only able to have at Christmas time because, one, it was not readily available throughout the year, and two, you didn't have the extra spending capacity, spending capacity during the course of the year to buy these extra things. And so everybody used to look forward to Christmas where you'd get your ham, you would eat this, extra this and extra that. But now people eat these things year-round, so people don't really make a fuss about it at Christmas time. That's correct. You look forward to Christmas to get a piece of ham. Not a whole right, ham, a piece of ham. I think, exactly. I think people still somewhat look forward to certain things around Christmas time. Even yeah. though you can get them throughout the year, there's still something special about having them at Christmas. Yeah, so. that's true. But as you all say Christmas, there is something I... I did I eat it in Barbados? That's the first time I heard about it, Jug Jug. Yes, jug jug. Yep. That's the first time I heard of jug jug, and I still don't understand what a jug jug is. It's a peas, peas base. Is it peas base? Yes, it is. What we call dough peas. But the secret, the secret of jug jug, I think, those unspoken of ingredients. Okay. The pieces of the ham, the pieces of the chicken, the pieces of the turkey oh, that, okay. that you would otherwise probably not eat that goes into Jug Jug. And that gives okay. it that gives it that unique flavor. 
and, mm-hmm. and people who know how to take those off cuts and put them into the concoction that becomes jug jug. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better. But basically that okay. is what it is. At Christmas time you throw away nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and because when we used to our Christmas Christmas lunches or parties, um lunches when we at the end of this year, and the Barbadians would recommend jug jug on the menu. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I heard about jug jug. I never knew that something like jug jug existed before, unless it's called something else somewhere um in other places. No. Um I've I've asked in many islands. Barbados seems to be the only place that has this thing called jug jug. And you get it especially at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I think Vernita, this we clearly keep coming back to talk about food. So that is one of the things that we can definitely say we love in the Caribbean. So I think I'm I'm gonna put it out there now for our listeners and for you as our guests that we bring you back closer to Christmas to talk about some of the special foods in St. Lucia and Barbados, especially for the season. So right. we, we, we'll definitely revisit that. I, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing about the festivals in St. Lucia compared to what happens in Barbados and even your experience and some of the things you liked, particularly the shepherd's pie and the spooge. <laughs> I think I will, those, are, those are two big takeaways for me. Mm-hmm. So we hope to have you back in Barbados sometime soon so you can try the cuckoo and flying fish. And yes, I will atone for my I will atone when I come back to Barbados <laughs> because it's really not fair to live in Barbados for all eleven years and I've never tasted cuckoo and sulfate cuckoo and flying fish. Yeah, so I definitely will this time around. Very good. I think all the Bajans listening will be happy to hear that. But you can have cuckoo and salt fish too. You and can also have there? cuckoo and herring. Oh, red herring, cuckoo and red herring, and red herring, and we will allow you to have a choice of cornmeal cuckoo and or breadfruit cuckoo. Breadfruit cuckoo. Even more reason to to, even more reason to come back and visit Barbados. Of course, if if not for anything else, but at least I will. (laughs) Make sure that I come to get the cuckoo so I can finally see that I'm a real Barbadian. I was a real Barbadian for but 11 years. At, at that point, we'll, we'll call you a Bajan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, come and get, I come and get my green card, my, oh, my residency. Yeah. Yes. I, for me to obtain my residency, I must, I must sample the, the, the cuckoo. Very good. Well, thanks a lot, Vernita. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much, Carla and Lionel, for having me on. I hope we can bring some joy to the listeners. And uh, I was very, I'm very happy to be a part of this discussion. Thank uh, you. So, and how do we say, if we said Sacrafet at the beginning. How do we say goodbye now, the St. Lucian way? Uh, well, goodbye is usually goodbye, but okay, bye-bye, Makaiwo. Makaiwo wako. I will see you again. Makaiwo wako. Okay, I will let you sign off with that, Bernita, because I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. All uh, right. Uh, bye bye. Uh, Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye. You all take care. Thanks. Bye. Let us know what you think by email at seagratespodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you.